spirit leave this realm There's a God up in heaven, there's a devil in hell There's a mother, she's crying, cause her babies are dying And the father in jail, with a son by his side But our father, he loves us, unlike any of us Gave his only beloved, 316 on the cross I know where you're going, if you live in that light Don't be perfect among us, but in the dark we are light Spreading the news If you live in a lie You ain't gonna die with the truth This is Matt and Mom Live It's real, it's raw, it's relevant The show is about the topical, the conversational But most importantly, the purposeful We hope to develop and distribute hope to the broken We pray that this show blesses you today Alrighty, we're back at it again This is Matt and Mom Live It's real, it's raw, it's relevant We're just trying to have Candid conversation back and forth, and we just thank you for tuning in, sharing these podcasts. Hopefully, you can use them in your own lives personally, relate to where we've been. We also just take a look at some of the maps in the different locations that are tuning in across the world. We are humbled, and we appreciate your support. Hey, I want to give a shout-out to Angola. We have an upsurge in listeners from Angola. That's so strange. I know. Who are you? Amazing. We appreciate it. Write to us. (laughs) Yeah, let us know what you think. We love comments and feedback, and uh, we're going back into the area of, I guess, what people know as, and I don't like using it because I'm kind of... Well, just call it the two lost sons. The two lost sons out of Luke 15, the parable that Jesus told, and it's a, it's a three-pong parable. It involves three different stories or, or three different verses in one song, and if you open up your Bibles, you can find it in the very beginning of chapter 15 in Luke. And he begins by telling the parable of the basically lost sinners. Because he talks about a lamb, and he talks about a coin, mm-hmm. and he talks about a son. It's all one parable with three different themes. And he's talking to the sinners in the very close proximity to the religious folk, the Sadducees and Pharisees, the self righteous and they couldn't understand why Jesus was spending time with the sinners and tax collectors, the despised. And then he tells this one parable, but we're highlighting the third stanza in that parable. Most people know it as the parable of the prodigal son. I said, no, it's called our prodigal father. We dealt with the younger son, the mentality of going wayward or being rebellious or being disobedient. Usually, mom, what happens is those people, those individuals, the sin becomes public some way or another. Very true. Prodigals always do. The sin becomes public. Um, but then we have the other side of the story, the older son who the has private a... private sins. The, I love those. Right, pro- it's yeah. the private sinner. He, yeah. on the outward, looks like he's doing what he's supposed to be doing. All is good. Never gives daddy and mommy a hard time. He's going to work. But then what happens is the envy becomes greater on the inside of him than the blessing that he should have been celebrating for his brother on the outside of him. And when the sin on the inside is greater than what's going on on the outside, guess what? It comes out. And it comes out because he now finds out, what? You're celebrating him? This son of yours who took your livelihood and spent it with harlots, he said? He said, what about me? I thought we were going to have that fatted calf to celebrate with me and my friends. Uh, let's stop right there. How many of us can relate to the what about me? Right. Right there. 
When you have that kind of mentality, how dare that? What about me? I deserve this. We're missing what the heart of our father is trying to teach us and what right. us into. Right. So that's interesting. And I think it's funny because it's the, the story of the two lost sons. I can't say this is 100% because it's not. Some people on this side of heaven don't have anything go wrong other than the normal happenings of life. But it's rare. It's very rare. So I think it is interesting. If you live long enough, Matt, almost everybody's going to be able to identify with both lost sons, the overt center and the in, inward center. Right. We all have it. And as parents, you know, at some point in your life, even if it's something that happens to your child, I know parents who all of a sudden one of their children gets divorced and that's the calamity. And that's the, that brings forth things that were inside of them that never came out before, you know, affairs, things like that. So we living in a fallen world, everybody's going to experience everyone sin to some degree. Now, how it appears through the eyes of the world, again, the world looks at things so differently. Right. We think, especially outside the church, we think that success is defined by how we do in society. And that's the last way. God doesn't care. He's not going to say to us, hey, how is your job going? Is that why I should let you into heaven? Right. Hey, how much money do you have in the bank? Is that why I should let you into heaven? Right. Hey, how many of your kids never went astray? He doesn't care one iota about any of that. Nope. He's a good God. And he wants us to do good things, but it, he's looking at our heart and right. what we do with what we have. That's not a, a indicator of salvation. Not even close. Or it's not even an indicator of God's favor. Exactly. That, see, that's the interesting thing. And, that, and that's what I want to talk about a little bit. I want to start out with a story. Only because if we don't get sometimes how God uses our suffering, our embarrassment, our shames, our failures for his good purpose. And actually, they're the very tools that whittle our hearts into being soft instead of hard. And I remember years back, and I can't, I'm not good with year, like what particular year it was, but our one son had been in, just dropped out of college and he had been arrested in a drug situation, um, dealing drugs back and forth. And it was public knowledge, and it was very embarrassing and shameful. And we were going through so much at that point, thinking how devastating that was. And your dad was chief of police at the time. Hmm. And I remember he had several public uh, ceremonies that he was to go to. And one was the, the cutting the ribbon at a little league field. And I remember him saying to me, oh, this couldn't have happened at a, a worse time. He didn't even want to show up there. He almost felt like he was going to be judged in an even greater way because he was a chief of police or, and then his son was now doing something illegal. And it was just, it was just a horrible time. It was, you know, new territory for us to, to walk through, especially with our oldest. And interestingly, two months later, he was asked to speak at a church, a local church here on father's day. And I remember the response that happened after that. And I didn't know what he was going to talk about. Again, being raw, being exposed, people knowing now that you're in law enforcement and your son has just done something illegal. It's just, until you're a parent, you will not get how devastating that is. So dad goes and what he talked about was what he called the tale of two sons. 
And he began with your brother, Michael, who was a senior at this point in high school. And he says, I have a goody son. Goody two-shoes. Yeah, goody two-shoes. Um, the good son. And he was talking about, you know, how he had just gotten accepted into the United States Naval Academy. And he was number two in his class. He was going to be the salutatorian. And how he was in the governor's school. He was just about the top of everything he did right. in athletics, academics, just sharp. Never gave us, you know, a, a, an eye bat of trouble when it came to things like that. And he was saying, wow, how proud I must be as a dad. How awesome that must be. And he goes, but you know, I really want to talk about my other son. And he said, that's my oldest son. And many of you might know that he just got arrested in this particular township for being involved in a, a drug deal with pot. And he said, I would have to praise God more for that son than for my other son, basically because that son has brought me into an intimate knowledge with the goodness of God that all the good of the other son could never do. And Matt, that, that whole delivery from his heart, he had a line of people after just mm. wanting to speak with him because you know there's things in their heart that, were, that was being broken and they didn't understand it. And dad was putting in a nutshell that God uses the broken heart. He uses the broken things of life to reveal himself to us in an intimate way. Right. So. With dross, it's, it's any type of yes, dross, dross that would come off of metal, mostly very valuable metals like gold and silver must be subject to intense fires in a furnace or what is called a refiner's pot. Or a crucible, and what happens when you stick that metal in? Dross begins to rise to the surface. It's the impurity of the metal that needs to be melted off. And what happens is it rises to the surface, Mom. So you can still see it. You can still see it. It's the shame. It's the pain. It's all these things that, without the fire, will never be removed. Will never be purified. And in my own life, obviously having that dross come to the surface, it was embarrassing. It was shameful what I did. Being responsible for somebody else's death because of a decision I made, a reckless decision to drink and drive and to live with that. But God needed even that to rise to the surface when he put me into the refiner's fire so that I'd be purified, so that I'd be developed. So like my own father and, and your husband – he realized that it was through John's adversities that he drew closer to the character of God in such a way that he learned of God's goodness even when the outcome wasn't. And he said, I would have never experienced that intimacy with my other son. And we're not telling people out there, well, make sure your, your children or yourself go do something crazy, crazy bad, so you can find God. No, no, no. But the heart sometimes needs those external factors to have an internal response. Mm. And we just want to pound the truth home to you guys that the Father in heaven, the Son, the Christ, and the Holy Spirit, they have a, a redemptive plan for every individual. And it may come through tragedy or adversity or troubles and trials like you said. If you live long enough, you're going to know you're going to experience that one way or another. It may not be be because you've done something it may be something happening to you all in all god uses it all so whether you're the wayward whether you're the this the one who never went the son who never went the the person who never did no no harm 
um, there's still a personal requirement because you are human. And it's to understand that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Well, what's the glory of God? It's Jesus. So let's rephrase that. All have sinned and fallen short of Jesus. So what did he do? He came down to where we fell to lift us up, to bring us back. So what did I do in that role, Mom? I didn't do anything. I didn't pick myself up. My works couldn't get me back up. My heritage, my resume, those, none of those things meant a thing. I simply just laid there and I accepted the fact that my Savior came as low to get me. No works. But you know what I do now, Mom? I do works now. Not because I have to, because I want to. I serve. Um, not only because it's my job responsibility or my job description, but even meeting with parents, kids who call me on a, on a regular basis. Hey, do you think you can spend time with so-and-so? You know, they're, they're doing this or doing that. You may be the only one that can reach them. And I look at my schedule and I'm like, I don't have an hour to spare during my week. And you know that. But I say, you know what? Yes, I'll do it. And I'll find a way because I want to help. I want to serve. I want to reflect Jesus. I don't have to. I mean I could just go to my 9 to 5 and do my speaking engagements. But all the other stuff, it's just from a heart of response. So again, so much to really dissect in the parable that we're talking about in Luke 15. And we learned about the prodigal nature of our God just so reckless and and he lavishes grace and mercy upon us. And I use reckless in a good context. And then we talk about literally uh, being the person that has to, I guess, learn, Mom, how to just accept circumstances from God. How, how to just accept circumstances as if they came directly from God. Well, yeah, because... God is not the originator of sin, but God is a sovereign God. We cannot lose sight of that. Everything passes through his hands. He's not sitting up there after something happens and goes, oh my gosh, I cannot even believe that just happened. I blinked. Yeah, I must go to plan B. God knows the end from the beginning, and he loves us. So, and you know what? I don't even know. It's... Absolutely no credit to me at all, at all, at all. I just believe that it was God's blessing upon me that every tragedy that we've ever been through that I've not understood, I always felt like, well, God knows. God, you know. Right. You know. He says it in his word. I mean, so, but I mean. It's taking his word, literal, literally, taking him at his word. Yes. That's faith. That's obedience. It's none of this extra stuff that um, a lot of denominations will pile onto uh, a religion or faith. It's taking God at his word. What does he say in his word? Well, he says multiple things. I'll work all things together for good. What, what's all things? Well, anything. Mm-hmm. Anything that I allow, I'll work it out to be good if you allow me because I love you and you love me. We learn that he also tells us um, in Revelation and, and even other parts of the Bible, hey, redemption wasn't a plan B. It was actually done before the foundations of the world. And then one of my most favorite verses says this. And in your book, David writes, they all were written, comma, the days fashioned for me, comma, when as yet there were none of them. 
In your book, they all were written. The days fashioned for me, comma. When as yet there were none of them. Before my days were, God, you already wrote the script to my life. I always tell my students, God isn't in the back of the movie theater biting his nails at the climax of the movie saying, what's going to happen next? It's a bad scene. Somebody just got kidnapped and you think that the, the plot is not going to turn out good. All movies have that. But guess who knows the outcome? The movie writer. He wrote the script. So he's not in the movie theater wondering what's going to happen. He knows the outcome. And that's God's sovereignty, Mom. He knows the outcome of your life. And I think a lot of people miss the peace that can exist when you just surrender in your circumstances. Oh, I want to add, too, as you speak about that particular psalm about our days being numbered. Psalm 139. You can read Psalm 139, verses 13 to 16, really talk about God fashioning us in in the mother's mother's womb womb. and just knitting us together. And all the days are numbered. Well, that's not in that part. It's not? What is it? It's at the end of that, isn't it? Well, yeah, it's, it's in that it's in that chapter. Okay, all I'm right. Saying, Excuse me. I think I was right on that one. The end of Psalm 139. Let's go to the book. Because I think I've heard parents say, "If only this had occurred that day, my child wouldn't have died." And I try to say, "No, there's nothing you could do to change the date of your birth or the date of your death," and that brings me comfort. That brings me comfort and peace because we don't have control of it. So parents, whatever you're facing out there, even as as terrible as death is, you can't take any of that onus on your back or think that it was anything to do with circumstances that had they changed, it wouldn't have happened. God is sovereign and God is in control and you have to keep that in your mind. That is having the faith of trust in God. Did you find it? Well, what did you say was in there? Psalm I know Psalms 139 is awesome, but I was just At trying to end. highlight verses 13 to 16 where he says, For you formed my inward parts. You covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise you, David writes. For we are fearfully. For I am fearfully and wonderfully made, which means I am an awesome wonder. Mm-hmm. He said, I am an awesome wonder. Marvelous are your works, and my soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret, and you skillfully wrought it in the lowest parts of the earth. Your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed. And in your book, they all were written. The days fashioned for me, when as yet there were none of them. How precious also are your thoughts to me, O God. How great is the sum of them. If I should count them, they would be more in number than the sand. When I awake, I am still with you. O that you would slay the wicked, O God. Depart from me, therefore, you bloodthirsty men. I don't know, Mom. I'm not seeing... Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxieties and see if there's any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. That's the end verse. Okay. I'll find it and bring it back next week. What verse were you trying to? I'm just trying to say that the Lord says all of our days are numbered and they're fashioned for us. Wasn't that in there? No, not in this chapter, but I'm sure it's in another chapter. Oh, it's definitely in there. Okay. So what was your, your, your recent point? I'm well, reading this text. while you're reading your text, <laughs> the most important point of that is God's in control. So not, none of the what ifs and if onlys work. When things happen, they've happened. God has allowed them. So you can't dwell on 
anything that could have been changed because it doesn't change anything. Right. Yeah. And it actually is a slap in the face again to the sovereignty and nature and character of God, which is what we're trying to say. I, I find myself continually wondering when I'm having conversation with people is, are you not in the Bible learning the character of your father? Because right. if you were, you could not say the things you're saying. Right. Someone said to me recently when the storm was coming up, you don't think God would do that to us again, do you? You don't think God would come and let the oceans hit our houses here? I, I don't know. I have to say, I don't know if God would do that because I don't, I don't know, know the mind I don't of know. God. <laughs> I don't know if he would send his disciples in, into a storm in the middle of a lake to test them. You, there are so many stories that really do deal with tribulation and how God allows it or even causes it. I'm going there because I know the Bible. I know Bible. And he causes it because he wants to see our response. He would rather see us surrender and humbled than being adversity-free, prosperous, yet not have an intimate relationship with him. Exactly. And it's usually only through trials and pressure that we have to call out to him. So why wouldn't he? He loves us that much that he would allow it. Therefore, it is our response to him, and it is our responsibility to learn his character because it's right there. So once again, we've, uh, we always go all over the place. We just want to develop and distribute hope. Developing and distribute hope to a broken world the hope that is only found in Jesus Christ. He is the only one that can go back in your past and heal a part of your life that you're struggling with. He's the only one that holds the future of your life in his hands. And when you see him in that light, you no longer struggle with life. He is sovereign. He is in complete control. We love the mantra, be still. And know that I am God. This is God speaking, saying, just be still in your soul. Be still in your home. I'm in complete control. And the moment you surrender to my will, God says, you are set free. Stop struggling. Stop stressing. I remind you that the clearest testimony you have isn't the one you share verbally for people to hear. It's the one you're, in fact, living for people to see. You may be the only Bible somebody reads. We thank you for your support, and we appreciate you tuning into this podcast. Get you next time. Loves me just as I am, despite all my flaws. He takes the pain from my flesh and leaves it right at the cross. Which way are you going? Yahweh, you don't know him. I answer his calling. Y'all people ain't knowing. He breathed in my lungs and spared me from Satan. And now that I love even my loved ones, they hate. Waiting patiently, pacing for me to fall on my face. But I'm falling in faith. Pardon me for his grace. There's a battle out there, spiritly in this realm. There's a God up in heaven. There's a devil in hell. There's a mother, she's crying, cause her babies are dying. And the father in jail, with a son by his side. But our father, he loves us, unlike any of us. Gave his only beloved, 316 on the cross. I know where you're going, if you live in that light. You're perfect among us, but in the dark we are light. Help me spread with the news If you live in a lie You ain't gon' die with the truth
so I know where you going doing something different. Nah. Don't you know they've been watching that block that you're on since before my time? Wow. So what makes you think that you're doing something different? You want to do something different? Put your faith in Christ. I've been there. 